you life is short it's too short to live depressed it's too short to live anxious and it's too short to struggle every day with thinking about taking your life i want to challenge you tonight to get up that you're not quitting tonight that one day it is appointed unto all men to die but that is god's responsibility not mine and so i don't know who i'm preaching to tonight but i want to say to you get up your future is brighter than your past i want to say to you in the balcony get up your ladder is greater than your former i want to say to every person in this room get up because the best is still yet to come i got a god who works miracles come on and worship him in this Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on this podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This episode is about inflammation and depression. And I want to talk about a few issues that I discovered in my research for our mental health series. And this research was inspired by Dr. Miller. And I'm going to read a short biography of Dr. Miller because in his studies and research, he discovered a connection between inflammation and depression and anxiety. And um, that's very important to me because, as I stated in other episodes, we know that lifestyle factors um, contribute to our overall mental health. And this is the scientific evidence that we can use as a basis to back this up. And this helps us, right? So here we go. Dr. Miller is an internationally recognized leader in the area of brain immune interactions as they relate to depression in medically healthy as well as medically ill patients, including patients with cancer. His work has demonstrated that during immune activation, inflammatory cytokines can access the brain and interact with the metabolism of dopamine and glutamate while altering neural circuits in the brain relevant to motivation and reward, as well as anxiety and alarm. Dr. Miller has also studied the impact of cytokines on neuroendocrine regulation and sleep, including the study of a specific signal transduction pathways involved. Additionally, Dr. Miller and his group conducted the first clinical trial examining the efficacy of a cytokine antagonist for the treatment of depression, providing a template for current clinical trials using immunotherapeutic strategies to treat mood disorders. 
He has produced over 200 scholarly publications and edited a book entitled Depressive Disorders and Immunity. Dr. Miller's research award include the Kurt Richer Award from the International Society of Psycho um, Neuroendocrinology and the Norman Cousins Award for Psycho Neuroimmunology Research Society. So ladies and gentlemen, this is really important because while he was treating cancer patients, he realized that introducing what they call a cytokine or inflammatory cytokine, um, and this particular cytokine has a name called interferon one. He realized once he introduced this, it created inflammation in the body. And we know that inflammation happens when our white blood cells are attempting to kill off a foreign invader or a virus or some form of foreign object. So, for example, with leaky gut, we know like if something passes um, our passes through our gut lining and enters our bloodstream, it created it creates inf- inflammation because your body is trying to figure out where is this foreign invader and is trying to neutralize it, localize it, and kill it. So, for healthy individuals, inflammation tends to be short lived. But when we're unhealthy and environmental factors kind of get out of control, it leads to chronic inflammation. So that's where this doctor made a connection between the cytokine interferon one, creating an inflammatory environment within the cancer patient. And that causing that caused the cancer patient to start to have depressive symptoms and anxiety symptoms and low mood and low excitement and that's where the connection between inflammation and depression was formed and it was through the study that Dr. Miller um, um, found through his research and treatment for cancer patients. So ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to cut to our next segment, but I just wanted to introduce you guys to the doctor who's going to support this podcast so we can have a better understanding for our mental health series, how inflammation um, scientifically causes symptoms of depression. I'll catch you guys soon. Ladies and gentlemen, so for our next segment on inflammation and depression, I want to read an article from Psychology Today, and this article is written by Marwa Azab, PhD, and this is in the Neuroscience in Everyday Life section. All right, the article was entitled The Brain on Fire, Depression and Inflammation. The studies from this article is based on the research and findings of Dr. Miller. And Dr. Miller is the doctor responsible for this research that we heard about just now in the introductory bio. So here's some more, um, this this is an article that breaks down 
the purpose of this episode, how inflammation is linked to depression. And this is very important on our mental health series because, you know, we're trying to create, I'm trying to bring a bunch of, as many tools together for you guys so we can have a well-rounded understanding of our mental health. All right, so hang in there. We're going to get through this and hopefully it brings more understanding to your journey. According to the World Health Organization, depression is the leading cause of disability. Unfortunately, 30 to 60 percent of patients are not responsive to available antidepressant treatments. In other words, 40 to 70 percent of patients are not helped by existing treatments. One area of research might shed some light on why a sizable portion of patients are not helped by current antidepressants. All right. And we know, ladies and gentlemen, antidepressant uh, medication are hormones that our brain needs to bring to, to be at a healthy level. So we know the hormones responsible for our happiness and antidepression are um, dopamine, serotonin, and norepinephrine. And when we give, when we take antidepressants, they're designed to bring these low levels of hormones in our brain to a normal level. But we know that um, treatment resisted, um, the um, treatment resisted, resistant depression is a real thing. And we spoke about that in our episode on mindfulness and depression. So here's another way, another aspect or how we could look at um, um, treatment resistant depression and um, how we could actually deal with that reality for many people who suffer from mental health and they're not getting help with their current medication. There is a growing evidence that inflammation can exacerbate or even give rise to depressive symptoms. The inflammatory response is a key component of our immune system. When our bodies are invaded by bacteria, viruses, toxins, or parasites, the immune system recruits cells, proteins, and tissues, including the brain, to attack these invaders. The main strategy is to mark the injured body parts so we can pay more attention to them. Local inflammation makes the injured parts red, swollen, and hot. So, for example, ladies and gentlemen, if you got a cut on your hand and that cut tends to swell up or you get bit by a bug or something and you see that area starts to itch and become swollen, that's our immune system localizing the injury so we could be more aware of it. And that's also that inflammation is our body's way of sending out the right um, antibodies and stuff to actually start to heal that injury. All right. When the injury is not localized, then the system becomes inflamed. These pro-inflammatory factors give rise to sickness behaviors. These include physical, cognitive, and behavioral changes. Typically, the sick person experiences sleepiness, fatigue, slow reaction time, cognitive impairments, and loss of appetite. This constellation of changes that take place when we are sick is adaptive. It compels us to get more sleep to heal and remain isolated so as to not spread infections. Okay. However, a prolonged inflammatory response can wreak, can wreak havoc can wreak havoc in our bodies and can put us at risk of depression and other illnesses. So 
Here's the thing. Prolonged inflammation. A prolonged inflammation response can wreak havoc on our bodies and can put us at risk of depression and and other illnesses. Okay? There is plenty of evidence solidifying the link between inflammation and depression. For example... Markers of inflammation are elevated in people who suffer from depression compared to non-depressed ones. And this is according to a Hapakowski study in 2015. Also, indicators of inflammation can predict the severity of depressive symptoms. A study that examined twins who share 100% of the same genes found that the twin who had a higher CRP concentration, which CRP is a measure of inflammation, that twin was more likely to develop depression five years later. Doctors noticed that their cancer and hepatitis C patients treated with IFN-alpha which is interferon alpha um, therapy, increased inflammatory response, also suffer from depression. So let's, let's, let's look at this again because the doctor that they're talking about in this study is Dr. Miller, who we just read the bio for. Doctors noticed that their cancer and hepatitis C patients treated with IFN alpha therapy, which increases inflammatory response also suffered from depression all right this treatment increased the release of pro-inflammatory cytokines which gave rise to a loss of appetite sleep disturbance and hedonia which is a loss of pleasure cognitive impairment and suicidal ideation all right and this is based on a latroche um study in 2007 the prevalence of depression in these patients was high. The, these results add credence to the infl- inflammation story of depression. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So this is really deep. Um, trying to heal. Um, doctors noticed that, you know, in the, when they was trying to heal cancer patients with these um, interferon one um it it was an increased inflammatory response. So, you know, cancer patients and hepatitis T patients, they they tend to have weakened immune systems. So when doctors innocently use interferon one, which was an inflammatory cytokine to raise their body's natural inflammation or inflammatory response, it was... Um, in hopes to improve their immune function, right? And while doing that, they noticed that it also increased symptoms of depression because the patient started to um, exhibit depressive um, qualities that was similar to um, um, people who was already struggling with depression. So this is how the study was formed. And this is really groundbreaking for the mental health community. Okay. Um, Subsequent careful studies show that the increase in the prevalence of depression in patients treated with IFN alpha was not only because they were sick. Using a simple method of injecting healthy subjects with immune system invaders, 
Researchers found higher rates of depressive symptoms in the ones who were exposed compared to the placebo group. The subjects who were induced to have an inflammatory response complained of symptoms such as negative mood, anhedonia, sleep disturbances, social withdrawal, and cognitive impairments. The link between inflammation and depression is even more solid for patients who don't respond to current antidepressants. All right. So let's go back a bit, ladies and gentlemen. I don't want to lose you guys. So they were saying that in subsequent studies, Patients who were just normal, 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 regular people like you and myself, who's healthy, you know, we're healthy, we're out here doing our thing. If we are injected with um, what they call immune system invaders, all right, it raised, um, you know, that this naturally raised our um, inflammation. So, you know, once your immune system is intact, like with a cold or with a, you know, you get a sore throat and you start to get a fever, you know, or if you eat something and your stomach starts to hurt, it's all your immune system's response to some form of unhealthy invader or some virus or something like that. So for healthy people, in the first study, the cancer patients were you know, injected with this cytokine, this inflammatory cytokine, because they was trying to raise their um, inflammation to it helps to improve improve their immune system. But when they injected healthy people with um, immune system invaders, this triggered natural inflammation um, because your body is going to start to respond to any foreign invasion, right? And for healthy people. As their inflammatory markers were um, um, grew, their depressed that their symptoms of depression increased also. So the same symptoms that a clinical person that deals with depression may have, you know, lethargy, being sleepy, negative mood, um, loss of pleasure, sleep disturbances, social withdrawal, cognitive impairments, that happen in cases with healthy people who um, inflammation markers rose. Um, just like it did for the cancer patients who um, inflammation markers rose. And this, in both groups, um, with this, based on this placebo study, both groups with the cancer patients and the healthy individuals both displayed symptoms of depression. And that's really deep. So now we can see scientifically that... And this is big for me because I'm a big health guy and, um, you know, inflammation is really important to understand in our health. You know, if your body's in a constant state of inflammation and that's how you get um, cancer, I mean, you know, not, not cancer, I meant diabetes, high blood sugar, you know, um, and it is a precursor for cancer, high in, uh, inflammation, um, you know, you get these um autoimmune diseases that we hear a lot of, um, Hashimoto's disease, thyroid disorders and stuff like that. So inflammation in general is really important when dealing with depression. And this helps us really make lifestyle changes that can minimize inflammation because now instead of searching on Google, um, you know, 
um, therapies or what ways can I improve my depression? Now your search could be different. Your search could be, hey, what foods help lower inflammation? What can I do to lower inflammation in my brain? What can I do to lower inflammation in my body? What What's the anti-inflammatory diet? How can I be more anti-inflammatory? Because now we see scientifically that inflammation um, directly um, affects our levels, our mood, and 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 our and and de- and it affects and can cause depression. And we know this now. And now we can actually put the signs to what we've been struggling with, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know if you're excited. I'm excited because for a long time I wanted answers, but these are the answers we really are looking for in our um, in the mental health community. It's the science. We have to follow the science. And sometimes the, the, these discoveries are formed by accident. Like this doctor was trying to treat and improve the immune system of a cancer patient. And these cancer patients in return started display, displaying symptoms of depression. So the doctor said, mm, okay, I noticed that. You know, when we introduce inflammation into this person's body, their depression symptoms go up. So now we can make a link between inflammation and depression. Boom. Wowzers, right? That's heavy for us. All right. Okay. The link between inflammation and depression is even more solid for patients who don't respond to current antidepressants. Studies have shown that treatment-resistant patients tend to have elevated inflammatory factors circulating at baseline more than the responsive ones. This is clinically important. A clinician can utilize a measure like CRP levels, and CRP is C-reactive protein, and... This is, we could all go to our doctors and have a simple CRP blood test um, done. And this will tell you how much your, how much inflammation you have in your body. And C-reactive protein is usually a predictor of cancer, maybe diabetes and other, and other, um, issues or health um or illnesses or diseases so seria and heart disease i know c your high c reactive protein levels are, are also an indicator of um heart disease um don't 100 percent quote me on that but that's I, I i'm thinking i remember taking my crp test because at the time i was dealing with heart issues and was trying to make sure it wasn't my blood sugar or my heart and just wanted to see if I, I was um, healthy. And I knew that test will show my inflammation levels. All right. This clinic, this is clinically important. A clinician can utilize a measure like CRP levels, which are part of a routine physical to predict a therapeutic response to antidepressants. In one study, they found that increased levels of an inflammation molecule prior to treatment predicted poor response to antidepressants. There are environmental factors that cause inflammation and therefore elevate risk for depression, stress, low socioeconomic status or troubled childhood so ladies and gentlemen i want to give you some insight here i just listened to an interview with dr miller so i'm i'm giving you guys this information fresh and he said that 
and low like he was saying that these studies were done um mainly in inner cities in Atlanta which was a more 75% black and african american and he was saying that this was good because this are the, the uh, black, yeah, I'm african american i'm black proudly you know hello hey yeah boom right but it was sad for me to hear this as an african american but it was also helpful to the overall cause of mental health because this doctor was saying that in these communities where the you know the social economic issues are more prevalent the P- the PTSD is higher so he was saying which i thought was an amazing fact that for inner city minorities um their PTSD levels are higher than soldiers who just recently came back from war active war that on a daily basis people in the cities and i think this is not exclusive to african-americans i think it's a social economic thing so i think if you're just in a that social economic bracket so you know your ptsd levels are higher because there's a more financial strain um that's a stressor so finances are stressors Okay, our environment, you know, if you live in a high crime environment or a high stressed environment, you're always going to be in a heightened stress level, which means your inflammatory markers are going to be higher. Your CRP is going to be higher because you're always stressed. Right. And he was saying that this was deep because it shows that heightened levels of stress, a sense of danger. All right low uh, um and a troubled childhood the other part of the study was a troubled childhood so when he was talking about childhood ptsd and childhood stress it really hit home because um you know some people you know kids who lose one of the parents maybe the parents go through to a divorce or they're raised by a single parent or they're raised in an abusive household now this is not just about uh, the study wasn't just exclusive to african americans um it was a, it was a broad study but he was saying that a large percentage of the people in the study were younger kids um in these social economic um areas and that they showed heightened levels of stress and ptsd so what does that say to everyone? We have to watch our stress. We have to, no matter what our socioeconomic issues are, we can't let our money situation stress us. We have to take a proactive approach to our finances, right? I'm not a rich, I'm not a billionaire. I'm not a multimillionaire yet. But what keeps me hopeful and not stressed out and stuck in my predicament, sometimes, you know, you're going to have bad months. Sometimes you're not going to be able to pay the bills on time. But you can't let bill collectors get to you. You can't let the fact that you don't have it like the way you want it get to you. You have to be positive and you have to put the work in to get what you need to get. Because the only person that's going to hurt be hurt in the long run is you. You're going to be depressed. You're going to be stressed. You're going to have high inflammation. You're going to be like... Like miserable, right? And there's nothing we could do about PTSD having PTSD because that's the after effect of a traumatic experience. So you can't combat it, but we could be mindful that most of us walking around may be struggling from smile cases low cases or chronic cases of PTSD. Go check out one of my episodes. I have an episode 
where I talked about PTSD and addiction and that connection there. And we have another episode called the 90 second rule, which helps us deactivate the fight or flight response, which helps combat PTSD symptoms when they arise. Um, and we also talk about prayer, meditation and mindfulness um, in, in, in our general sober is dope um, arsenal as tools to lowering and combat and stress okay um depression is a heterogeneous disorder each patient struggles um each patient's struggle is unique given their childhood genetics the sensitivity of their immune system other existing bodily illnesses and their current status in society all right being on the disadvantage being on the disadvantage being disadvantageous and I right, being on a disadvantageous end of these dimensions irritates our immune system and causes chronic inflammation. All right, I just said that. Sorry for the hiccup, ladies and gentlemen. Sometimes I, I get mixed up with the words or I get stuck. Um but he's saying so if you're part of the disadvantage end of the spectrum, meaning that, you know, you, you, you had a bad childhood, you know, your genetics are not too great, meaning that, you know, people in your family tend to die on the younger side or they, you know, tend to get sick at a younger age. Remember, through epigenetics, we can change our genetics by changing our thoughts in our external environment. So we know, go check out the episode, The Biology of Belief, because we figured out how to hack that. All right. We can hack our genetics. So if your parents are not healthy and your parents and your grandparents, they die young. That don't mean that's your story. You could still live to be 100 because you could change your epigenetic expression um, or your genetic expression and the, ge- the, ge- the genetic expression of your gener- your offsprings by changing your thoughts, your environment. We also talk about the telomere effect, all right? Um, how to change the, um, how to, um, how to elongate our telomeres, which are DNA strands that are predictors of our longevity. So a short telomere means that you have a shorter lifespan, Uh, but you can grow telomeres through an enzyme called telomerase. So we know that if I change my diet, if I start going to sleep, if I lower my stress, if I start taking my vitamins, if I start meditating, if I if I if I adopt a positive attitude, I can increase my longevity by increasing the health and length of my telomeres by changing these environmental factors and my behavior um, patterns and thus increasing the amount of telomerase and improving the telomere length. That's the telomere effect. And we talked about that. I'm working on a special project for you guys where we're going to go more deep into the telomere effect and addictions and how we could change this. But just here, I want to kind of take a pause here. Look at what we have done in the sober dope community so far. Prior to even approaching the mental health series, we touch all of these solutions to these problems, right? How to improve our health after addiction, 
All right, most of us, some of us could be dealing with cirrhosis or um, scarring of the liver or some form of hepatitis of the liver or fatty liver from our alcoholism. Some of us are coming from drugs and we're dealing with psychoses and different issues with our brain health and, and developmental issues because we created some form of brain damage. Um, a lot of us got into a lot of fights and hit our heads and we did all of these things. So in our addiction, we kind of was all screwed up and beat up and kind of a little damaged in a way and the point of the sober is dope podcast is to say hey we're highlighting the benefits of sobriety and being clean from drugs and alcohol but the benefits they they're they're, they're mighty they're, they're they're bountiful there's many there's so many benefits and there's so many solutions and way we could rebuild our mind bodies and brains and our and our lives and everything so we talked about how to deal with stress in the 90 second rule we talked about how we could change our whole cellular environment and biology in the episode called biology of belief courtesy to dr bruce lipton right we talked about um our love lives how improving your love life can dramatically improve your health we talked about how you know the, the changing your foods the inputs and outputs what you put in you get out we talked about all of these things prior to even getting into mental health. And now that we're in our mental health series, we have more tools. Now we know inflammation directly correlates with our depression. So if you're depressed, go take a blood test and check your levels for your C-reactive protein. And take a regular battery. Also, check your vitamin D levels, especially if you're African-American. I'm explaining to you why. And this was a good point that Dave Asprey made. Dave Asprey is the founder of Bulletproof, and he wrote a couple of books. Um, but his most prominent book is The Bulletproof Diet. And his new book is called Becoming Superhuman because Dave Asprey's goal is to live to be 180 years old. But... When Dave Asprey was interviewing Dr. Miller, who was the doctor who founded this study proving that inflammation causes depression or, you know, increases depression, depressive symptoms, they did talk about vitamin D and the importance of it. And 90% of us, whether you're white, black, whatever, whatever your race or denomination is, no, whatever your race is or your ethnic background, not denomination, because that has nothing to do with your physi physiology. Um, most of our vitamin D levels are really low and magnesium levels. We know that magnesium comes from all good things. Green, you know, really good greens. Like, you know, so a lot of us tend to not eat on a high side of our leafy green vegetables. We tend to have low levels of magnesium. Now, one of the ways we know we can improve inflammation is by eating more greens and vegetables, but real dark green vegetables, broccoli, um, uh, Brussels sprouts, cruciferous vegetables. And we know that there's a connection between cruciferous vegetables and a, a compound called so sulforaphane, right? Sulforaphane is a really potent compound that has um, 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 longevity properties and a very, uh, um, um, it's just extremely powerful, right? And um, when you chew on your broccoli and you start to crush it, it releases a, a compound. I think it's called um, amylase. Uh, I have to check that out. But anyway, the process of chewing your green, your cruciferous vegetables actually releases this um, compound called sulforaphane. So 
And they just we I read this just now, ladies and gentlemen. So at the end of this, I'm gonna give you some benefit, some some um, ways in which we can improve our inflammation and lower it. But one of the main ways you can do is by making sure you go out your way and on purpose eat as many healthy green vegetables as you can find. Don't worry about them being organic. We prefer that you eat organic because we want to reduce the pesticides on the um, our vegetables and fruits. But berries, blueberries, raspberries um, are very good because they have a lot of polyphenols, antioxidants, um, greens, a lot of greens and a lot of berries. Okay, that would dramatically improve your inflammation and that would improve your depression, period. Even if we started there, okay. Go to bed on time. You can't suffer from depression and be breaking day and not sleeping and not having a sleep pattern. I say that a lot. You have to get your diet in order because there's links between processed sugar, um, 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 bad oils, um, um, like, you know, canola oil, vegetable oils, all of these like bad hydrogenated oils. I'm sorry. I was looking for the word. There's a link between hydrogenated oils, processed sugars, processed foods, and depression. All right. We already know that. And now I'm going to prove to you in one statement because I just read it. When you eat these foods, it creates gut leakiness. It creates holes in your gut lining. The first thing that happens when something leaves your gut barrier and enters your bloodstream, it creates an inflammatory response. And because it goes into your bloodstream and travels throughout your body, now your body can't localize the injury. So imagine if you get cut or stung by a bee, there's a clear localized inflammation point where you can see the swelling, you can feel the itchiness or the pain, and you can see your white blood cells going to work. When this happens in your blood system and that little wheat bread or Big Mac or Pepsi or not not Pepsi I mean soda I'm not I don't want to pick on any one group I can't afford if I get can't afford it if I get um, sued by these companies because you know I'll be depressed because I'm be broke because I got sued by Pepsi we don't want that right but I'm just talking about processed sugars um, artificial beverages artificial foods when that goes into your bloodstream it goes throughout your whole body and your whole body starts to create chronic inflammation because now your immune system doesn't know where to shoot, where to treat. It's like, I don't know. It's everywhere. It's like an invasion. It's like they're everywhere. I don't know who to shoot. Who's the good guys? Who's the bad guys? And that's called autoimmune disease. That's because your immune system starts to go on automatic kill mode. Right, and it starts shooting everything. Boom, 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 boom. Now, good things in your body that looks similar to the bad things starts to get killed in the process of the autoimmune destruction, and that's called cellular mimicry. Right? So, you know, that big particles of Big Mac that's floating around in your bloodstream starts to look like healthy cells, and then your body starts shooting the healthy cells and starts shooting this and starts shooting that, and now you have this chronic whole body inflammation and we know what inflammation causes depression drop the mic i'm dropping the mic i'm not gonna read anything else i'm not reading anything else i'm not saying anything else i want to drop the mic here 
because I'm gonna put this in the show notes, ladies and gentlemen. Now, if you're serious about your mental health, this is the episode that's gonna give you some tangible stuff. Now, we know if your medication is not working, we know we can use mindfulness and meditation to help with that because studies show that mindfulness works better than antidepressants in the long run. Okay, so I will say, you know, I'm big on pharmacotherapy. Take your damn medication. I had to take mine. Take your medication. But you have to take your medication in conjunction with a healthy diet. You have to take your medication while seeking therapy. Therapy is dope. We're about to do another T-shirt line. I did a T-shirt called Mental Health is Dope because I just wanted to bring awareness to the subject of mental health, right? But then I'm going to do another one called Therapy is Dope because my sister Mary said, Pete, therapy is dope. We need to go to therapy, right? But also lowering our inflammation is also dope right just like sober is dope being clean is dope go check out the soberisdope.net shop because we got a lot of new stuff under the monk healing section and a lot of cool t-shirts mindfulness is dope meditation is dope we got the whole line coming out because we're trying to spread awareness ladies and gentlemen i'm super excited today because i woke up and i was like i want to know what my next episode is now this is crazy i'm listening to other people's podcasts i listen to some heavy stuff and these guys are like scientists and doctors and they're going back and forth and they're talking about all of this and it's like the universe was like now i'm in the alignment now i can see the signs it's coming to me i wake up now and i'll open up the newspaper and there's new studies on depression and you know that's the law of attraction i'm attracting all of the data across the planet to help us on our mental health journeys And the reason why I'm big on mental health awareness is because you can't talk about addiction without talking about mental health. I hate when people separate the two. If you are an addict and you are dealing with mental health, every human being deals with mental health and our mental health awareness is important. Heal your brain, heal your life. Heal your brain, heal your life, all right? So ladies and gentlemen, I wanna end the episode here. I really do this. I'm not gonna have you go to another section. I'm not gonna say anything else. I just wanna say a couple of things. I'm giving you guys homework today. And the homework is simple. If you're listening to this, please, please do me a favor. Click the link in the study and read the study. Look up Dr. Miller and inflammation and depression, right? And study and look at the doctor, look at the science, um, look up inflammatory cytokines. But most importantly, please Google the anti-inflammatory diet, right? I want you to really, I want you guys to do some homework. Look at what an anti-inflammatory diet is. And if you're suffering from mental health, start there, right? Start eating healthy greens, Go to bed early. We know scientifically if you go to sleep between the hours of 10, if you go to sleep by 10 p.m. and you're asleep from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m., that's when you get the highest hormonal benefits of the sleep process. That's when all the magic happens. You know, you you know, all of the good brain neurochemicals and your neurotransmitters and your hormones and everything that you need happens between 10 p.m. and um, 10, 2 a.m. Go get the book from Sean Stevenson, who's the host of the Model Health Show. He has a new book out called Sleep Smarter. If you want to figure out how to sleep smarter, 
that's the book that's where you start but ladies and gentlemen 10 p.m 2 a.m so if you're going to bed at three o'clock in the morning you already missed all of the hormonal benefits of your sleep it's still good to get sleep but you want to get to bed at a right time because you want to respect what they call your circadian rhythms right circadian rhythms is when the sun goes down and the sun rises that's your circadian rhythms your body is attuned to that the circadian um, rhythm the circadian structure of time right um so you want to respect that you have to respect your diet throw out the junk food throw out the cakes throw out the sodas throw out the sugars i mean if you want to have a cheat day here and there I'm all for it. We're human. We have to have some fun, but you got to give yourself a break. Now, this episode is about addiction. So if you're addicted to sweets, then you have an addiction issue. So, you know, we have to talk about how to get how to detox from sugar and detox from donuts and detox from McDonald's and Popeye's. I don't want to see anyone in the sober dope community fighting and getting caught up for the Popeye filet, the chicken filet of Popeye's. We don't want that because, you know, we're going to be, you know, you're going to eat that and then you're going to be depressed later. Right. And we think that these they call it comfort foods It's not comfort. It's no comfort there. Right. Because what happens with comfort food? And trust me, ladies and gentlemen, I, I might have a Big Mac tomorrow. I have cheat days. I have days where I just say I'm going to be a regular human today. I'm going to go eat some ice cream. But I don't do it every day, and I never recommend that we do that every day. All right? But I do I do say let's have a little bit of fun. But not if you're chronically overweight or you're chronically depressed and you're chronically sick and your blood sugar is all over the place and a doctor is telling you you need to lower your blood sugar if you don't take your insulin and you're diabetic. We know diabetes is 100% reversible. I reversed it in my life. You can reverse it in yours, all right? Diabetes is if you keep taking your insulin and you change your diet and your sleep patterns and start exercising and you get on like a ketogenic diet or a plant-based diet that's not around a lot of carbohydrated sugars like you know and just healthy green vegetables and beans and stuff like that you can reverse your diabetes it, it is 2019 we're changing the narrative I'm an African American and proud but my grandmother I remember my grandmom having three toes big beautiful woman and I was saying to myself I just don't know why grandma's big toe is missing like you know and then she used to say oh my sugar baby my sugar my sugar and I used to say what the hell's wrong with sugar my grandfather most brilliant person in the world Earl Kazembe Ferguson I love him the founder of the Paul Robeson Memorial Center in Marcy Brooklyn my grandfather he died of Alzheimer's. He had a combination between Alzheimer's and diabetes, I remember. His his brain started to go, and then he was in there for the sugar, right? And my grandfather thought he was really healthy, but the standard American diet at the time, which is a sad diet, and the food pyramid in the 80s and 90s were incorrect. The food pyramid in the 80s and 90s told us that the more grains that you ate... The more breads and carbohydrates you ate, the healthier you'll be. And that was crazy because at the top of that food pyramid, if I could find an old copy, 
there was breads and grains and fruits and stuff like that. And then there was meats and then the, and then no, it was meats. And then the vegetables was kind of always at the bottom and the healthy fats was always at the bottom. And we know that there was really incentives, um, in the sixties and seventies for, um, um, sugar. It was incentives to downplay the importance of fat and to replace, it was more economical to replace the fat in foods with sugar, right? That's how we was able to get this fast food boom, right? And a little brief history lessons, you know, but the reason why you always hear fat free, fat free, and fat is bad is because it was the wrong message sent out back in the day when they was trying to really boost up the power of sugar because sugar was hella cheap to make and it was easy to fill everything with sugar and what does sugar cause addiction so if you want someone to eat something and want it again you have to make sure it has something called vanishing carry have to have zero nutritional benefit and it has to have a lot of sugar if you want to hook anyone zero nutritional benefit and a lot of sugar all right and the reason why I'm sorry to go off on a tangent, talking about my grandfather, and my grandma bring tears to me because these people thought they was doing the right thing. They thought they was eating really well. And you'll hear something called the famous China study where they talked about um, the Ghanaian study and a China study. And they was talking about a large list of the largest study on health and nutrition ever um, taken where they was taking people and they was just like minimizing all of their meat and um, raising the level of vegetables and fruits that they ate and the symptoms of all cause mortality went down and the symptoms of all chronic diseases w- were minimized so for me being an African American knowing that people from Ghana was part of this specific study or they did a study similar and they was looking for um, heart rates of heart disease between these Africans who was on this high plant diet and it was they couldn't find going back so many generations they only found one or two percent cases of anyone dying from diabetes diabetes were non-existent in this study right no one was getting diabetes on a high plant on a plant-based diet and no one was getting heart disease now why as african-american everyone like we, we're all prone for heart disease diabetes um now cancer okay because we are not designed to eat a standard american diet and we're not designed to eat fast food and we're also not designed being african in nature to eat a heavy meat consumption diet so i eat meats you know sparingly if i could eat grass-fed beef here and there and you know i try to get wild caught salmon or some wild caught fish you know, I try to get it in there as just a nutritional thing, but the the I think I might have to go back to a plant-based diet because I remember last year when I was 100% plant-based, I looked the best, I felt the best, and excuse me, I'm sorry. I looked the best, felt the best, and I was like literally um happy, happier, 
you know today i think i'm happy because i'm doing everything but i just i could think back that i I looked and felt my best on a plant-based diet but we do need some forms of protein but you get i got that a lot for my beans so for anyone how do you get your protein there's healthier forms of protein that's more digestible to your body remember your body has to break down protein into usable amino acids to actually use it so you could get you know there's a faster conversion between plant-based proteins versus animal fat and animal based proteins but that's neither here nor there my thing ladies and gentlemen is you're most likely someone who was never designed to be on a standard american diet right don't get off the sad diet if you're sad don't eat the sad diet let's start there don't eat sad if you're sad because depression is synonymous with sad don't eat sad if you're sad and lastly get some healthy sleep third exercise and i'm not talking about try to become a bodybuilder just try to do a little bit of exercise walk after dinner do a little bit of light jogging something to just keep your body moving if you move your body you're moving your dna right it's all part of the telomeres admit and, and deal with your stress i would say pray a lot use prayer as a stress reduction technique mindfulness is a stress reduction technique gratitude as a stress reduction technique every time you stress think about everything you have gratitude for now today i just heard on the news that a young girl was killed in jamaica queens they found her she was young and she was 17 years old and she was stabbed and the neighbors heard her crying out and she and then when the cops came she died and i was so upset because she looked like someone that i knew and i was just at work and i was just upset this is today i was upset And I was singing to myself, like, everything that I was stressed out about up to this point was totally unimportant because this poor girl just got killed for no reason. On a quiet block with nothing but trees and houses, some guy, someone, cops don't know who it was, killed this lady, this young girl, and ran off. Then I find out this poor young lady, younger brother died recently. He was a little kid. And no one knows the story. But I'm I'm going through Facebook trying to find this girl's page or who she could be and my younger cousin said oh my god i can't believe x y and z's dead and then i'm thinking to myself this 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 stranger that's 17 years old dies and then my young cousin is one of his friends from school or he grew up with he said he grew up with her and he knows her personally and it bothered me to the core and that's when i remembered the gratitude journal I was thinking, what if that was one of my nieces? What if that was one of my what if my cousins or somebody that I, you know, what if that was my daughter, man? You know, that's someone's daughter. And I was just as upset as if it was my own because I looked at her picture and, and she's just the an angel, a little angel. So sometimes we could be stressing out and pissed off over money. And but is, is it really worth it? Is it really worth it all the time to stay in a heightened state of stress causing this chronic inflammation and being depressed and all screwed up? We have to do what we can and and take this back and take the power back in our hands. You know what I'm saying? Um, Our addictions drove us to to our deep, to the deep, to the deep end. You know, sadness could drive us off to the deep end, but we're bringing it back, man. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm just asking you guys, man, listen. When you stress, remember why you're here. Be thankful that you're still alive. 
Think about the person next to you that may not make it through the night. The girl that the girl that just got stabbed. The girl that's somewhere in someone's basement. I know this is a little grim, but every second someone's dying from addiction. Every second of the day, someone's dying from violence. Every second, every minute, someone is something bad is happening. So you be had you have gratitude that you have the ability to still appreciate life and love and pray and be one with God and grow. And I promise you, that would be step one, two, three, and four on our mental health journeys. And that's what keeps me going today, right? Shout out to Tara. This episode is also another episode devoted to our main man, Jordan, who passed away. Tara is one of the first original people who supported the Sober is Dope podcast. We told her story in Sober Testimonies. Um... Okay, and go listen to the Sober Testimonies Part 2. We tell Tara's story. And Tara lost one of her best friends and a love of her life. He was killed. And we and we pray. And I think today was the services. And we pray for you, Tara. And we pray for Jordan. And we must be have gratitude for our lives, ladies and gentlemen. And we have to take our health back into our control. If you're doing what you need with your health, then you're going to be, you're going to get to your, your mental health is going to be a lot more manageable. Then the medication might work. If you, if you're medically resistant to the medication, but you're not eating the right diet and not sleeping and not meditating and not praying and not practicing gratitude and not exercising, that's probably why it's not working. Do all of those things, then come back to that and then and then go see a therapist and then deal with bereavement and death and loss in a healthy way. Let's put our loved ones to rest and give them the peace that they deserve to move on. And let's be thankful that we're still here to fight another day. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Sober is Dope podcast. I'm your host, Pop Buchanan. Like Gary V say, I'm preaching, I'm preaching, I'm preaching. But I'm not a preacher. My brother's the preacher. I'm just a messenger. Don't shoot the messenger. I love you. That's my message. Let's take control of our lives and let's level up. I'll catch you on the other side.